Hey, how's it going? Great. Uh, I can barely hear you. You can. Well, since I was in the other room, now you should be able to hear me. All right. <laughs> I love how your voice matches your face. I love that. Oh, does it? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I checked out the. Uh, it's funny because when you um, you know, when you told me about uh 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 Remy. I had already, uh, like, I had just invited her on the show right when you told me about her. And, man, she has a voice. Man, doesn't she? Oh. Like, 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 when she when she sang that Fleetwood Mac song, I got chills. I, I don't know. know if it was the mic or <laughs> or what, but, it was like, like, there's something special about her. That's just Remy, man. She, she, I've seen her playing a couple different spots and every time she gives me chills so yeah she's she's going places i mean before everything shut down she was starting to open for some big people she's extremely talented and it's such a good human family that whole family so i'm excited for her future she's yeah definitely part. put in a good yeah definitely put in a good word for me with her because she's yeah she's <laughs> definitely going places. Mm -hmm. she's a sweetie yeah, but 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 I feel like it's that like this community in general. Like I'm very big in the Dallas, like on like Dallas singers. Like literally, there's times when I pull up to my friend's house, radio blasting, and they're like, "Who are you listening to?" And I'll be like, "Oh, it's just my friend. He's an artist." You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, we have some really, you know, talented local people. Man, we have such a vibrant scene, and it's, it's kind of sad sometimes because, you know, it gets overshadowed by this idea of Dallas having this ego or being, you know, uber competitive. But there's this really beautiful community scene that uh, is, is really running in, in strong currents uh, throughout the DFW Metroplex. It's it's nice um, to connect in with those lanes, you know. Those are the lanes that need yeah. to be showcased more. Yeah, I'm saying, and like that's why one of the reasons why I started this podcast, so I can get to know them more, you know, so I can you know talk to them, make connections. Like uh, Kamaya Penton, she's one of my good friends. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, uh, Darius Fraser, he's a mentor to me, and he's just awesome. an awesome person do you know him uh, i've heard of him yes yeah like he's a uh uh a i want to say what do they call it when it's not a regular class but it's a class for smart people like a master class kind of thing y yeah i think it's called ap oh yeah, yeah AP, there you go yeah yeah but he advanced a, placements uh, yeah yeah i didn't even know that's what that meant oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, 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 but he teaches, uh, he's a very good writer. He owns his own publishing company. He uh, teaches a uh, advanced placement class, and I took it. You know, obviously, like I said, it's for smart people, so I didn't finish it. <laughs> but, you know, I've learned so much, and he's such a down-to-earth person. Like, uh, we had a game room in Mountain View, and he would, like, come down there sometime and, like, smoke everybody at, you know, Capcom or <laughs> All Out Melee, you know, he's very, 
Very cool. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. And I love what you're doing, you know, for the community as well with the Deep Ellum art community, art company. Like, it's a really good thing you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, really working to connect people. You know, I have a varied background with the Army, and then I was a teacher and was certified in Texas and taught for about five years before I came on with Art Co. So to be able to take these wide variety of like toolbox and be able to apply them and kind of have the ability to to work freely that John and Carrie give me to work. It's been a real pleasure and it's been really awesome to have all these little like beta tests, you know, before Corona slammed down on everything to have these beta tests to kind of show like, hey, these are things that that do work. These are things that help empower and grow community in a variety of ways. So it's been a really exciting venture this first three years to kind of take my personal theories and have that freedom, ability, and, uh, you know, uh, the space to be able to do that and then to see them come to fruition and kind of grow is just really a, a magical thing that I'm grateful to be a part of. Definitely, definitely. So where did you get the idea from? For how we operate ARCO, the visual department. Well, the idea for ARCO is John and Carrie's ultimate vision. They brought me on to take on the visual art side of it because it's a multi-use kind of community center of sorts so that we can showcase uh, musical artists, concerts. We can showcase theatrical uh, events like Shakespeare in the Bar. But then we can also hold uh, pro wrestling in the backyard and we can have laser tag back there too and host birthday parties and art classes, which we do. All of these things, we're extremely diverse because we have so much space inside at 5,000 square feet. And then we've got an additional 15,000 square feet outside. So we've got a humongous amount of space uh, that moves around and transforms easily so that we can do all those things and kind of bring everybody together in one spot. You know, because inside we have our main music stage But then along on the right wall, we have a 50-foot-long fine art gallery wall, which is fantastic. It's lit up, and it has projection mapping happening all around and on top of the artwork at varying times. So this is really wonderful because this brings the art into the concert experience and blends the lines there. And what's really neat is that the art starts to become integrated with the music because the wall will pulse with the music uh, when it happens around the artwork, not on top of it. And uh, it helps sell the artwork and connect people in with it that otherwise wouldn't even go look at it. You know, when you can connect typically the demographic of, say, like EDM, that's not typically a demographic. Not, I mean, generalizations are not the greatest, but typically they're not the people that go into art galleries, right? And so yeah. for us to be able to connect them with them, And then have them purchase an original piece of art. I mean, I've had so many customers tell me this is the first time I've ever bought original art. That is wonderful because we're building collectors too. So we're growing this whole kind of commerce, you know, within our little uh, bubble to grow out. We're growing this commerce of both product and buyers. And that's something that's extremely special because the art... uh, 
commerce in general has been struggling. Galleries have been struggling pre-corona to stay open. So to be yes. able to blend things in, to blend things in a way that helps revitalize this economy for the independent local visual artists, right? To revitalize sales because it creates more buyers is such a, uh, it's a cool thing, man. It's fun. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine. And, and like, uh, thank you for your service, by the way. You okay, know. Thanks. You, yeah, you know, I, was a, and- I was a tech and data nerd before. So it's amazing. It's not amazing, but I find it very interesting how many people who used to be in tech, um, you end up finding a lot of those around or in the creative scene as well. There's something about how those brains are wired. (laughs) Yeah. And like I'm in theater, I'm a theater kid. So I encourage everybody, like all my classmates, I'm like, try going backstage because you know, when you hear being well-rounded, you hear, like, singing, acting, and dancing. But, you know, there's, like, prop design. set. Oh, so much. You know, and it's less drama back there. And they have beer, too. Like, oh, see, that works out a win for everybody, I guess. <laughs> you, know, you know, but, yeah, thank you for your, you know, service. You know, you're a very beautiful, you know, person inside and out. You know, you, you, hey, you're thank like, you. You, you know, you're like, hey, you can buy me a drink and I can kick your ass all in the same hey. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm running for office in the uh, Rockwall County out for uh, where I live, too. You are? Oh, yeah. Um, can I vote? I don't know. I want, I'm, I'm planning- Only if you live in the county. I'm, I'm but if plan- you know anybody out here, always yeah, feel plan- free to spread. Yeah, I'm planning on uh, moving out there, but w- when will uh, the time be up? Because I, I had to uh, kind of move in with my mom for a few months to help her out, but I do plan on moving to Rockwall pretty soon. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm on the ballot for the general election, so I've already gone through the primaries and everything. Hey, you know... Be ready come November. You know, if Kanye West can do it, you know, you might as well throw your hat in the ring. Well, you know, I've got background in all that stuff. So, and I sit on the art commission board already with the city out here in the city of Rockwall. I was, uh, came onto that board and was voted unanimously uh, last year. So I came on to kind of help grow the art programs and the culture out here um, in Rockwall County as well. So it's just another natural, I want to, you know, pull in. Um, more of this kind of bright light and, and growth and community and positivity. Um, and front lawn concerts is a great way to do that as well. You know, growing that community and then growing the uh, culture here in the city of Rockwall and benefit from this operation that we've already got going on in Deep Ellum and use that, uh, use our ability to kind of telescope that out into suburbs. Again, it helps grow both our artists and our buyers. So it's kind of the same concept of what we've been kind of playing with, with our visual art getting mixed in with our concerts, which has helped create an entire commerce scene. Now, if we can think about pushing musicians and possibly even artists, you know, out to neighborhood block parties, and this becomes something uh, that, uh, becomes a workaround and a staple for community moving forward, well, then that's wonderful because we're creating whole new lanes of commerce that way. Um, yeah. And community, you know, the more we know our neighbors, 
the most likely, the more likely we are to understand each other. And the more likely we are to understand each other, the less divided we will be. And so, yeah, like good all around. Yeah. Like, and I understand sometimes uh, things can be a little clickish sometimes, Mm -hmm. but, but, but I love seeing like one of the things I was actually talking to a uh, DJ uh, Yoshimoto about this. Um, Did you know that all the major 70s singers lived on the same street? Did they really? Yeah, I forget. I was supposed to go there in June. Yeah, I was supposed to visit, take a tour through there in June. But, you know, COVID and the riot. I think it was called Canyon Grove or something. Uh But, yeah, it's in uh, California. And, yeah, like you would have Jimi Hendrix living next door to uh, Janis Joplin, then the Mamas and the Papas would be down the street, and John Morrison would be next door to them. And I'm like, you know, they had some pretty awesome jams. Oh, sessions. they like, had I, to. What a like, great- I would, yeah, like I would have loved to be a fly on the wall during that time. Oh, and I'm sure I, that was fun. Yeah, and like as a matter of fact, I think. Uh, Black Arts and Letters has, uh, they have like this thing called a mixer for all the uh, actors in Dallas, I think once a year to like network and whatnot. I don't know if it's annual, but I know they did do it one year. And I would really like to start something with like the artists in Deep Ellum because there's a lot of great singers and like just have it like only exclusive to artists and their friends but you know just bring all the artists together and have like one big mixer you know what i mean hey we do um at artco you know we have when we were normal operations we had open mic nights uh every monday so that people could come use the stage and we'd stream those on our youtube channel but we also host things like jam sessions where we would invite or let musicians take the lead and invite, you know, other musicians to come with them from other bands, et cetera. And they all just kind of come together and they just do this kind of jam on the stage impromptu and uh, playing around together. And that sounds super similar to what you're talking about, but on a bigger mixer scale. That's super fun. Yeah. I like that. Well, you know, those are things that we always want to grow at Deep Ellamark Company is uh, growing uh, the artists and building collaboration and cooperation. You know, our world is our classroom and we can learn from each other and that education's free. And I found in my life, the more freely I give my knowledge with kindness at the forefront, the more freely I get that knowledge from other people too. So it helps me grow and it helps them grow as well, which is great for everybody. Um, and that's the best kind of education, you know, and it's the best, uh, it's the best way to, uh, I think to grow as an artist. And I think a lot of the artists that we work with can, um, speak on how much we've worked to grow them and how much they have grown. Uh, the ones that participate a ton and, uh, take part in the mentorship programs that we offer. Yeah. Now, you've done so many things we haven't, you know, began to scratch the surface, but I have to ask you, 
how has COVID affected you? Because one thing I do like about artsy people is we've, you know, found ways to actually uh, move around COVID. Like they had the first ever um, uh, COVID-19 comedy show where they had a, uh, it was live, but there was a stage and then there was a Titan Tron above the stage. And instead of laughing, you would honk your horn if you thought something was funny. And, oh, that's great. Yeah, like, and there's been for shows, there's been like Zoom read throughs, uh, some shows, you know, just doing the tribute concerts, and some shows was like a full read through plus music. You have like Theater Three, who's like streaming their shows without an audience. And I'm actually working on a show uh, myself where I'm trying to uh, stream there too. So how have you been uh, affected by COVID and what creative ways have, you know, you used to work around it? Well, I mean, obviously COVID has affected um, me and Deep Art Company operations wholeheartedly. I mean, we're not even open still because we cannot in the operating as a bar, et cetera, uh, in Dallas. So we're, we've had to really work in order to change the ways Um, that we operate. And one of those things that I really wanted to jump on and provide was this connection with our viewers and the ability to at least create art. Because uh, when I went to college uh, for my uh, studio art and teaching degree, at first I really seriously thought about going into art therapy. And for me, I'll back up a little bit. I said I, I worked in the Army and I worked with data. I worked a lot. I ran all the servers for the Intel and PSYOP guys. So I learned a lot about those areas and I learned a lot and I'm very interested in people have a lot more data and that data is a lot more interesting to me than the computer data, which is why I switched um, after I got out. And so, um, you know, art is one of those things that, that enhances our human experience. The act of creating is something that science research shows brings blood pressure down. It raises mental health and makes you feel better. Like there's so many positive benefits. So I really thought that these classes would be a good way, if anything, to provide our community with my constant chatter, because I like words, and I love teaching and mentoring. Like, that's my favorite part of the job at ArtCo is being able to help assist other people to grow. That's kind of my way of writing things that are wrong in the world. And, and it's I, I have this tendency, natural inclination that kind of helps me achieve that. And so if I know that I have strong tools in that toolbox, then I should probably use those tools, which I try to do. And so with these videos every day, now we do art classes and we do a wide variety of them. I fit in art therapy and art journals on Tuesdays. As a matter of fact, we did one today about peacocks and how they shed it. Have you ever, you've seen peacocks before, right? With the real big peacock feathers. Well, did you Mm -hmm. know that they shed their feathers completely every season? So they lose all their beauty every season. And then they grow it. And it's a really cool bird. And actually that idea of regrowth is something in art history that we used a peacocks in our religious imagery and uh, Christian imagery. We use the image of a peacock to symbolize that regrowth and rebuilding. 
And so things like that, working on images where we're not only learning skills on how to draw like a peacock realistically, but then we also are cross thinking at the same time about this idea of regrowth and rejuvenation. Well, what's really cool, the science behind that is that that creative thought that you're uh, putting into process as you draw, it starts to cross over into your thinking process about your problems. And that's where your creative thinking muscles get stretched and they help you work better on the important, quote unquote, important stuff, like figuring out how to move about in the crazy scape that is Corona, right? And so art is a super helpful tool, especially when it comes to thinking. Out of the box thinking is what I always told my students is what you'll at least learn, even if uh, art isn't your primary goal, because that's the part that we all need to uh, kind of get under our fingers and grasp. It's out of the box thinking and resiliency. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what was your opinion on the riots? Because I know Deep Ellum took a big hit with those. We did. We had a lot of businesses that uh, had windows broken. And, uh, you know, we stand with everyone wants to be treated well. You know, when we stand, we understand all the reasons that uh, all the events that took place. And so it, it has affected businesses and it has affected life, but then you also think about people's lives that have been affected since, you know, the day that they were born in this country. You know, for, mm -hmm. for me, issues like this are family issues. I mean, I'm, I'm my family is mixed. My brother is mixed. My stepmother is black. So these are issues that, that aren't just issues that are at a distance, but these are issues that are, are very close to home for me personally. And so that's also why I'm excited. We are hosting and putting together currently a show of those panels that were up on all the business windows in Deep Ellum. Because what happened is uh, the boards went up on the windows to protect them slash uh, cover up the broken windows. And then artists, grassroots movements from uh, all kinds of different locations came together in order to beautify and paint these panels in order to kind of give back to the community uplift and, you know, kind of heal some pains and wounds and bring people together. It was a really cool social movement of artists. And I'm really excited because now that those panels are down, we're working in conjunction with the Deep Ellum Foundation and they asked me to curate that show. And we're currently putting a lot of those panels up in our backyard for a, uh, a gallery show that'll last for quite a bit. We'll have them up there for about 30 or 60 days in our backyard for people to be able to walk through, take a look at the panels, hear artists' stories. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to be able to hopefully continue to increase awareness through um, a show like this. And then to hopefully, you know, also showcase the ever important tasks that artists take up willingly which is to bring to light social issues. Um, and that's where your artists are usually always your most valuable. And, you know, while we started out in art history of only being able to paint what the rich could tell us to paint, AKA it was religious institutions and the richest of families, but then materials got cheaper and then all of a sudden artists could paint what they want. And, you know, uh, the ones that choose to uh, use that power in order to help those and speak 
in ways that others cannot speak since visual language is way stronger than the spoken one. Uh, it's really cool to see all that come together. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, you know, it was like you said, it, it is a uh, group effort. It's not just one person's, you know, problem. Yeah, it's community and, all together. Yeah. You know, we're only as good as our entire community is our weakest link. And as as we treat anybody in our community, respect goes to everyone. You know, and but I, I can't help to feel like it was a setup. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a video of like, it was like a Mario game. There was like a perfectly stack of bricks complete, you know, conveniently placed, you know, and down. Yeah, I heard the DPD was putting out warnings to people and to pick up the bricks and that they had to pick some up and piles of that. Yeah, um, you know, no, 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 well, like there was like, um, before the riots started, like somebody found bricks as if they were to say here you go do your worst you know what I mean like I feel like it was set up I feel like I get that people were angry but I feel like you should never you know fall for a trap you know what I mean yeah I think there's a I think there's a, a lot of people that are angry period out there and it's hard to you know navigate a, a, a scape and try to like people need to be de-escalated somehow you know yeah. well, I, well I feel like that's where therapy comes in you know I'm a yes. huge advocate for you know therapy counseling talking to a psychiatrist because like we have like I feel like everybody has some form of trauma even if you don't know it you know, and I feel like um, you're right on that, by the way. You know, research studies show in just school populations alone that 20 to 50 percent of school populations ha are trauma survivors of some sort, which means that they show um, those predilections, symptoms and damage um, that trauma survivors can hold. And I think you're entirely right. Like emotional intelligence is extremely important. You know, we can be smart as all heck, mm -hmm. but if we can't handle, you know, anything going wrong and it breaks us down or throws us into tears, well, then it doesn't matter how smart we are because we're not resilient enough to use those smarts. Um, so it's really important for us to be resilient. And how do we do that? Well, that's emotional intelligence. And we don't really teach much about that in our society. Mm -hmm. At uh, all, uh, uh, uh. so what else do you do? Because I know you do like a bundle of stuff. I do a bundle of things. I'm a single mom to two teens, so I've got them. They're uh, doing their school. We just started school, and they're doing remote, so they're doing their days at home remotely. I'm working with Artco, and I'm doing my daily Artco uh, streams, and we're working on our shows that we're trying to put up. And I think we're talking about opening up our backyard soon. So working on some planning of some events. So make sure everybody's taking a look at all of our social media sites um, and keeping an eye out for events popping up on the calendar as we uh, start to safely and hesitantly um, get things going and open because, you know, of course, we're, we also have to, you know, do our best to make sure that we can survive. 
um, and, and make it to when everybody feels comfortable and they can come out um, in larger groups. Yeah. You know, things like that, uh, like following our YouTube channel, those are really easy ways uh, we're talking about. Um, once we hit over our, our threshold of followers, we can monetize that. So we're working on different ways also moving forward to add to our operations um, and uh, do things in ways that help bring in more revenue while we continue to work to support uh, creatives and artists in new innovative ways. Nice, nice. Now, say for instance, um, as far as Covenant is concerned and, you know, staying indoors, what have you done besides work to keep yourself occupied? Like, have you picked up any new hobbies lately? Um, I've gotten back into working out again, so that's been really nice, uh, working into uh, my schedule. I actually moved at the very beginning of Corona in March, so I had plenty to keep me occupied in unpacking a house and getting things settled. You know, and my time gets taken up a lot by, you know, uh, my two kiddos uh, with the whole scape, and there's so much negative going around. I try really to keep my focus on the positive ways. Um, you know, it's kind of like the whole landscape has gone through an earthquake and everything's kind of rough and tumbled. But there's also, in that craziness, there's also opportunity. Because when things get upset, that means there's new areas that are also created and formed. And so I'm really trying to make sure that I'm focusing personally on where those opportunities possibly could be, because that's what I'm gonna notice more. It's very true, what you focus on is what you see. If you just decide to pick a color car like green and focus on it, you're more likely gonna notice it way more often than you did in the past, only because you're thinking about it. So the same thing can go, you know, when it comes creatively or professionally in a business sense, like, if you're focused on finding new ways to operate or opportunity, then you're more likely to actually catch a glimpse of it enough to go, ooh, that might be a good path to go down. And so I've been working really hard on focusing on like, I get to spend more time with my teens. I get to connect with them more and we have. And that part's been a really, really cool personal kind of journey because I'm probably closer to my teenagers than I ever would have been if we hadn't had uh this time at home where everybody's not off doing a thousand things like they would have otherwise. And so I could choose to focus on how it sucks. We can't go out, but I'd rather focus on, on the in, enriched relationships that we've had instead. Yeah. But it's just about focus. I've been working really hard on taking advantage of things. Like I moved in Corona and I stopped going out. So I stopped smoking at the same time because I was like, Oh, New environment, brand new schedule. This is going to be the smartest time for me to try to stop. And I'm so proud of myself because I haven't touched one since. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, I'm kind of a stoner, so I have to ask, when you say smoking, you mean cigarettes, Oh, I'm right? talking cigarettes, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's nice to be able to take, you know, these things and, and push for positive because I also am very much aware as a parent that my kids are going to see what I do. 
And so I want them to want to go for positive things. So they need to see me doing it and speaking about it. I want them to reach for the stars. So they need to see me doing things like running for office in the county and reaching for stars myself. And having kids has made me a better person because I'm always aware that what I do, they see. And so I always want to work to inspire them. And then, you know, as far as I'm concerned, all my artists are kind of like my family. I'm kind of known as the mom slash teacher around Art Co. And yeah. I have a tendency to lecture if you haven't noticed. Yeah, you definitely. You, Sorry. <laughs> you, you know, no, I, I love it. But you definitely have that mom friend vibe going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like I feel like if we were to go to the club, we we would have been like, okay, Jonathan, that's your fifth one. You know? Uh huh. That's probably would have been me. I don't drink very much, so I mean, I'm not a big drinker at all. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean to be the devil's advocate because I understand that tobacco was not made for our bodies at all, but uh -huh. uh, I I enjoy a cigar every now and again i think it's more classier than a cigarette and it doesn't you know, go in your lungs you just hold it in your mouth you know yeah i remember i'd had a couple cigars in my time you know i was in the army so yeah, yeah. we had a couple cigars here and there that happened it's, it's definitely an expensive habit though so it, it, it can be yes that's quite <laughs> yeah. quite true <laughs> so what inspires you as an artist um, for me with my personal work, I'm kind, I'm very much a word nerd, a logophile, and I like to talk. So I also like to read. Um, and so fairy tales have always, um, inspired slash intrigued me because they're, first off, they're set up as kind of like these old Testament style tales of if you do good things, amazing, magical things will happen to you. If you do bad things, awful, horrible things will happen to you, right? Yeah. And so what's really cool about fairy tales is for the most part with most, a lot of cultures, they started out as matriarchal or oral traditions. They were told down by like the head women of the family or some or patriarchal to the head men, hunters of the family. And they'd recount these tales that would get handed down in the families. And this was their version of how to push down moral lessons, you know? And so once they started getting written, they get written and rewritten. Like Red Riding Hood, there's 18 different versions. And yes. each one is kind of different. Like, yeah. did you know the first one didn't even have a huntsman in it? No, no man in it at all. It was Red Riding Hood and her grandmother. And yeah. when both came, Red Riding Hood like cut them open filled him full of rocks, then she sewed him up, then she drowned him. You don't mess with her. Yeah, those fairy tales were no joke either. Oh. Like they, they, they were like Cinderella, her sisters <laughs> cut off their like. Well, they weren't meant for feet. children, you know. Yeah. Uh, Walt Disney is the one that took them and, and shifted them more for children. Grimm's fairy tales went a little bit further, but they were still quite gory. I remember my first real Grimm's fairy tales, I was like 11, and we, I'm originally from the Dallas area. I graduated in McKinney High School. Oh, and we wow. read a half price books and I found this fairy tale book and I was like, ooh, I really want it because I opened it up and I saw like a really gory part and I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. And I was like, mm, maybe my mom will let me get this since it says fairy tales. Sure as heck. She said yes. So I would <laughs> hide underneath my covers with a flashlight and I'd read all the fairy tales and I was just in, in, entranced, intrigued. It was interesting to me. 
And then when I got older, I realized as they were written and rewritten, they changed and shifted. And then my nerdy data social brain looked at that. And, you know, you can read trends in them. You can read trends in the shifts uh, in views towards women or the injection of more uh, underlying sexual themes. You can see lines being crossed between love and lust. For instance, yeah. Sleeping Beauty, that started yeah. out as a rape story. You know, Peralt was the first author who wrote Sleeping Beauty European. He was influenced by an old French prose called Persiforest, which has never been um, translated into English before. And in this prose, it's basically Sleeping Beauty is like in the forest, basically in a coma, and a prince finds her, makes love to her. He leaves the story and never comes back. And then she wakes up nine months later, uh, giving birth to twins and scene. Wow. Not, not, not as, as entrancing as the Disney version of Sleeping Beauty. Not at all. No, not, <laughs> not at, all. at all. So you see that shift between that lustful, right? And then mm -hmm. it, it moves into the, to love. So they're just really interesting to me, the stories. And I like to do wood blocks where I carve wood. Um, and you get to use those to reprint. It's basically making your own stamp. It's the original way to make a stamp. So that's what you were doing. I was yes. wondering what you were doing. <laughs> yes. And so that, that carving is uh, what helps you create this relief. And the relief is what is turned into the stamp that you can then reprint on paper, et cetera, a printmaking yeah. process. Yeah. And I like that when I go through and analyze my fairy tales and use it to influence my imagery choices because just like those stories get told and retold told now my prints can get printed and reprinted and used in different ways so i like how it kind of parallels the very thing that inspires me because i'm a nerd about things like that yeah <laughs> um let's see have you seen gretel and hansel yes i have yeah, I love that movie. Like she's they they they're in and she feels something's weird and she's about to tell her brother don't, you know, eat that and she looks over and he has a mouth full of food. You know, you <laughs> see how the how the female in that story was the wise one. I'll just point that out. <laughs> the well, of course. You know, of <laughs> course. But no, like it it's, it was funny and it was definitely uh, you know, a good story. I love social horror where they take like everyday things. Like um, that was a horror story told uh, through womanhood. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I love social horror. Uh, have you seen The Witch? I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I highly recommend that one. That one's good. What about Hereditary or Midsummer? No, I haven't seen those either. Yeah, those are good. And uh, Get Out and you know, us, like, all those social horror movies, man. I, I'm a huge fan of them. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, the, it's it's the story. I just think with fairy tales, it's super interesting um, because, uh, you know, you don't only have the horror part, but then you also have, like, these magical parts and the unbelievable parts. So it's just, it's fun because it's a nice little play on the imagination while it's also pushing you know some some important uh messages like i have a tattoo on my r right arm and it's inspired by the lion and the mouse story have you heard that mm -hmm. one yeah oh, years ago years yeah, ago. yeah that's like the good one where basically it doesn't matter if you're big and strong or you're small 
like you should treat everyone well and help everyone because you never know who, you know, can can give you back kindness. And so the moral after this, at the end of the story, the the ending moral is a kindness is never wasted. So I have that tattooed actually on my arm as this reminder to everyone who might see it and to myself, like you can't ever waste those kindnesses. Talking back to how many people have trauma. One of the best ways that we can help people around us is to choose that our knee jerk reactions lean towards the kind end of the spectrum rather than the irritable end of the spectrum. And I think you'll find that you can control your environment more just in how we choose to interact with others around us. Yeah, I mean, you know, it goes to the old saying, you reap what you sow. Yeah. The way the universe works, like, the way the universe works, like, you can't, what whatever energy you put in is what you get back out. And I'm just now knowing what turn the other cheek means or let the Lord fight your battles mean because, or don't do evil for evil. Don't fight fire for with fire. Because say, for instance, somebody you're driving and somebody cuts you yeah. off, right? Now you have every right to run that motherfucker off the road. Like it is a legal law. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, you wouldn't be wrong. But at the same time, that's negative energy you're putting out. Like it doesn't matter uh what the person has done to you you know negative energy is still negative well in energy. the end That's we're what... all to, we're all in this together like we're in the end we're all in this together like positive energy is important but it's also important for us to realize that whether whether you're out there and you love community or you're out there and you don't like community, it doesn't matter. You're still part of it. We're all still part of this network in this, this sheet in this uh, society. And for us to make choices to work together is always much better because we're only as strong as our weakest link. That's what I like about what I like learned in the army. Like you, Give a certain amount of respect and you demand that from others around you. You you don't and you can't tell people to put themselves in front of a bullet to save your life. You can't make them do that. You must inspire them. They must they must respect both you and you must respect them to even be willing to give something like that. And so you learn how to back yeah. off and know what battles are important and you know when brotherhood and sisterhood is ever so much more important than whatever differences you might have outside of that that zone or that danger. And, and currently, right now, we're in an entire crisis right now. Now is the time yeah. to remember our brotherhood and our sisterhood and to set aside those differences and bind together. Or else we're, we are going to start losing uh, bits of our community and it'll take us ever so long to grab those back. You know, my grandparents, I was very close to them and what I always respected so much about them is that they and the community around them were, had such a tight bond. And this is also what I love about Deep Ellum. 
there's been so many tight bonds that I've seen through all this, you know, for what all people might speak about deep Ellum that don't know the local businesses and the community and the people that live there for what all people might say about that on the outside. What I see on the inside is an amazing display of community and people banding together. And these are people that need assistance and help because this is mostly service industry and independent creatives that have had hardly any access to work, funding, etc. But yet they've had the richest uh, banding together um, that's been pretty beautiful, you know? Yeah. What are some of your top three favorite movies of all oh, time? Wow. Um, I like Super 8. That's a really good one. I'm not. Yes, I love oh, Super 8. Good. Really? I've got an old Super 8 camera, like in the box, plastic packaging, everything. Super wow. fun. <laughs> yeah, I like those kind of Stephen King esque horrors. And um, what's that yeah. series with the. Um, I'm not. See, I don't. I'm bad with names and I don't always watch movies. I do like Christine, so I'm a good horror one. Yeah. So I'd say Christine. And then um, probably for my third one, I was always like a, a sci-fi nerd. So definitely Star Wars would have to be in my other other third slot. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Lovecraft Country? No. It's new. It's on uh, HBO. You know who H.P. Lovecraft yes. is, right? Well, um, he's like one of the greatest like horror writers for anybody that doesn't uh -huh. know. And um, the story is uh, set in the Jim Crow era. And it's actually uh, based off of his monsters. And I know he's like in his grave turning over because he was a well-known racist like he's in hell right now and the devil is literally making him watch he's probably screaming but um it's a very good show i think you would definitely be um be interested uh i watched it uh last night i regret it watching it at <laughs> night because last night was kind of out there but the scene was huh. like um you know, the scene was so powerful, you know, it was, uh, it, it really, like, I haven't been moved by a TV show since, or like that, since Orange is New Black. Really? Like, it's definitely. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good one. I'll have to check that out. Are you a big musical person? Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm a musical oh, theater okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Hamilton's one of my favorites, too. I love how everybody went nuts about Hamilton recently. Hmm. Oh uh, yeah, I tell everybody Hamilton is the new Lion oh, King. Really? You remember back because you remember back in the nineties, nobody. I mean, musical theater has always been to me the most underrated. Oh, art it's form. so true. Yeah, and when Lion King got on Broadway, all it, of a sudden, it smashed out into like general public. <laughs> yeah, and still there yeah. like everybody and their moms uh -huh. were like let's go see a broadway show let's go see a show and it's the same with this generation in hamilton nobody was really paying attention to musical theater then hamilton came out you know and now whenever i teach theater to the kids i'm like what's your favorite show all of them says hamilton and i'm <laughs> like it's, it's a good uh -huh. show, but expand your
you know, expand your horizon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll have to think about I'm always looking for people that might want to do a guest spot or something uh, for our Art Co. Afternoon Arts. And I'm. it's always a wonderful thing to mix up the creative uh, arts. So, you know, it might be kind of fun for you to give some theatrical tips and tricks for those that might want to try practicing or doing something at home. Oh, yeah, I would love to, man. I would love to. So what type of music do you listen to? I listen to? to a wide variety. I'm not a big, like, twangy country gal, and I'm not a big polka fan. But other than that, my uh, my uh, my selection's pretty uh, wide open and eclectic. Um, I, I've been doing a lot. Like, during Arco, I do a lot of lo-fi. But otherwise, um, I don't typically listen to a, a ton of that on my own. But I'm big into you know, folk music, and I, my daughter influences me with some of the stuff that she likes, like Dope Lemon, and, uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a wide array, and then Remy Riley, who came out, like, I'm always big into local bands, too, like, Remy Riley is one of my favorites, I've known her since she was small, and then Trimore Mojo is another local band, if you haven't, I'm sure you've heard of Trimore Mojo, yeah. oh, man, they're just, oh, they're awesome. They're so good. I'm excited to see them continue to grow, too, because, you know, they were starting to get booked on some really big uh, festival. Yeah, like some of these people that come through Dallas, you look at them and you're like, why are you even here? Like, why aren't you famous yeah. yet? Like, what's thing is Yeah, and then some know? of them come through and you're like, how? And then you're like, oh, the marketing, that's why. So it's interesting to see that uh, diversity. I, I always want to help the ones that, that haven't you know, gotten yeah. huge and, and big yet, but. Uh... Yeah, and, and I have a friend who's actually, she used to be the executive for Sony NYC. Now she has her own business. And she was telling me the number one thing that holds a lot of talented artists back is they don't have a, um, they don't have a, uh, a brand. You know, like if I say Fedora, single glove penny loafers you know i'm talking about michael Jackson. Right. if i say oversized sweater high ponytail you know i'm talking about ariana right. Grande. and like a lot of these talented singers they don't have that you know consistent brand like that so it's hard for the listeners to get to know and like bond with yeah. them you know yeah. yeah i understand that well and then it also comes mm -hmm. down to it's hard for some artists and musicians to get out there just because they don't know how to operate on the business scape. You know, they don't, they'll, I know a lot of people, artists, visual that, that, you know, when they first meet them, they're making great stuff in their apartments or their homes, but they don't know how to get it out there and how to uh, execute uh, ways to make sales on a regular basis. So I think that's also something that kind of stands in the way for musicians not as much as artists, though, because you guys get some, or not you guys, but musicians, they get some business classes, I think, with some of their degrees. Slightly more yeah. than art, not tons more, I don't think. Yeah. Have you ever seen Beast of the Southern Wild? Uh-huh. I'm always going to, yeah. I suck at the have you seen things game, because I don't watch much TV. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. Ben, uh, ben Zetlin, uh directed it um and see the thing i like about him is he blends he sucks at consistency like he blends fantasy with realism yeah oh fun 
And it actually makes the fantasy that much more real and heightened. Because, see, as a director, like, say, for instance, he'll, like, have the movie really realistic. Like, 30 minutes into the movie, it's a real, you know, serious, dramatized movie. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see a 40-foot buffalo like riding down the street or wow. like he directed wow. he directed Wendy which had the first African American uh Peter Pan and he blend you know he blended realism and fantasy again and there's something about those two mixtures that heightened the fantasy i guess because you're like well this can't happen in real life, but it's happening there in real life. I don't know what it is, but uh, realism and fantasy is definitely a, a fantastic mixture. Oh, yeah, I opinion. agree. Really uh, well. In visual arts, surrealism is, is my, one of my favorite, uh, you know, genres, you know, because it is. It's that mixing of realism and dream state, like Salvador Dali, like, you know, his mm-hmm. pieces with, like, with the melting clocks and things. Yeah. yeah so that's kind of the same thing um in the in the art side that's that is definitely one of my personal favorites i like the plays on um uh mixing that dreamlike things that couldn't actually happen in real life but yet there they are realistically looking like they're happening on canvases <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope, you know, you had as much fun as I had. Oh, it's been wonderful fun. Thank you so much for inviting me to sit down and chat. I'm always hoping to uh, help build uh, up the creative community and help people be successful. So if anybody's listening to the podcast and you're an artist or musician, reach out to Artco. You know, artists, you can reach out to me, Amber at deeplmart.co, not com, co, uh, shoot me an email and we can talk about the ways to uh, get you integrated and in with community. I'm big on community and very low on ego. Um, we try to check ego at the door uh, because we're stronger together. Um, and it, it's good for us to remember that we're always uh, both students and teachers, and I very much operate that way myself. And we always work to push everybody together. I don't want, ever want anybody to feel intimidated before they try to reach out because we have so many different ways to help artists at different levels once we're open. You know, even if someone's a starting out office, we are artists. We have ways to uh, work with you, help you, and grow you. Um, to get you to the point where you can show work on the gallery wall. Um, if you're an artist that, you know, wants to focus on business, we can help you with that too. So we work with students and uh, fully realized artists. And then also, um, you know, just make sure you reach out and look at our stuff and subscribe. Definitely, definitely. Again, thank you for your time and have a wonderful day, okay? Hey, thank you so much, Jonathan. You too. You too. Bye.